first stage was learning how entrepreneurs think, knowing what is the core of an entrepreneur. And I believe Think and Grow Rich is one of those cores, is you picture what you want, you have a goal in mind, you become obsessed, and you're not going to stop until you hit that goal. Grant Cardone, he says, you're either expanding or you're contracting. There's no in-between. I'm never just in the middle, right? I'm always expanding or contracting because when I'm in the middle, it's most likely contraction. I'm an explorer. What Shrooms has opened up for me is the consciousness of being interconnected on psilocybin. There's more connections. There's connections that you've never thought about. Everyone's like shaking hands with each other. My brain is like my tool. It's like my weapon of choice, right? And it's kind of like it just hyperdrove my brain into like a new advanced technology. Has it made you more spiritual. Hello and welcome to the James Zander trip. Today's episode is going to be more on the entrepreneurial side of things. For anyone looking to upgrade their mindset around money, around entrepreneurship, around business, this is going to be the episode for you. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur, multimillionaire, and the CEO of Stealth Agents, a seven-figure virtual assistant company that employs over 300 people. He joins me today to dive into his journey with entrepreneurship, how the book Think and Grow Rich changed his life, what is the mindset of an entrepreneur, the importance of obsession, balancing work and play, how to get over failure and setbacks, the value of mentorship, and also how his mushroom experiences have changed his life. Please welcome Teo Vanyo. Teo, thank you so much for coming to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, James. I wanted to start with your childhood beginnings because you did not, you grew up in humble beginnings and was there always a desire to attain wealth and attain um, a lifestyle where you never had to worry about money again? Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, I grew up in New York City and uh, we didn't grow up. Uh, we were we were in even middle class. We were like, I would consider poor. Uh, and, you know, there was a time where we had a one studio apartment. It was our entire family, me and my brother, my mom and my dad. And there was a point where we slept on the floor and it was rough. You know, it, we didn't, we didn't come from a lot. I was always taught to always work for what you want. And that's what I did as well. You know, I, I had, um, I swept the buildings when, when I was like 10 years old, uh, got like an allowance for like five bucks a week or something like that. So it was, it was, it was really good. Those, those characteristics helped build me to the way I am right now. I actually started thinking about, uh, money, uh, back in college. And this was when I had to work two jobs and kind of like support myself. And that was kind of like the, the the big breakthrough for me of like, okay, I actually need to make money now is when I got into college. And so that's where I got into all of these things after working like two full-time jobs, going to school, trying to support myself. I learned, okay, I need to, I need to be successful. Um, and that's, that's where all of my successes, I would say began was like back in college. So there was like a burning desire or ambition to not work a nine to five job all your life, but to go into entrepreneurship. Right. Uh, because all my life I've been taught, you know, go to college so that you can get a good nine to five. And, uh, you know, I was that was always been pounded in my head ever since I was in grade school. It was go to college, get a good degree so you can get a good job. Um, I never even thought about building a business or anything like that. My, my mindset was never there. It wasn't until the point where I was in college working two full-time jobs and going to school. And, and then I was like, well, I need to make more money somehow. So this is where I went online. And I'm like, I'm really good at computers. You know, before I went to college, I got my A-plus certification at age 17 in New York City. And I was like one of the few 
at that age that I actually had the certification. And so I went to college knowing a lot about computers. So uh, long story short, I basically Googled how to make money online. And I'm pretty sure, like, you know, I've heard this story many times. Where I've done this too. Yeah, right? You go on YouTube, you're like, yeah. how do I make passive income? Yeah. How do I make money? Yeah, everyone does this. They're like, everyone that I've heard, like, you know, how did you start? They've Googled something like make money online or they probably clicked on an ad or whatever it may be. And, and they got it into this whole internet thing. So that's what I did. And um, I realized that when I was in college, I had built a blog. And uh, this blog um, was uh, a resell reselling a, a software. And what had happened was I had um, marketed this blog to another blog that had a lot of traffic. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, how do I make money with this? Initially, this was back when Facebook just started. So if you remember, you know, you have to have a, a EDU domain to get a, a Facebook account. And so that's what I did. I had a I had an EDU domain and I was able to get into Facebook. You were like one of the OGs. Yeah. And you know, the crazy thing is Facebook had a marketplace back then. Yeah. So they had a marketplace specifically for your college. And so that's what I did. Initially, I had this blog. It was like, um, it, it was satellite TV for PC, right? That was the software I was like reselling because it was like affiliates everywhere and, and, and there was a bunch of stuff going on for that. So what I did was I had created this blog and, and this landing page and you can buy it, click here, buy this product. And so I, I posted it on Facebook Marketplace and I was like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen here. So I just, I just did that. And all of a sudden, two sales came in. I'm like, that's crazy. This is what I make in like a day in like my full-time jobs. That's like the moment where you know, oh, this is going to work. Yeah. If I keep scaling this up, if I keep working on this. Yeah. And, and I've built websites. So I, my first website when, was when I was 12 or 13 years old. I had built a website. Um, it was selling these British Walker shoes, right? So it was a key e-commerce website. Um, so I, I, I knew that there was money happening on the internet, but I just didn't know like how much of it or how it worked until that point when I built this thing. And I'm like, okay, I made two sales from like two different people, like one from my college and another one from like Michigan or some, something like that. But they found my software and they bought it, right? So then I went on and, and, and marketed this thing to another blog. And all of a sudden, like, I was making more money doing this blog than I did full time in like two weeks with two of my jobs. And so that's where it started clicking for me. And I'm like, okay, well, I think this internet thing can work. And that's when, that's when I got started in all this. What was the next step for you? Did you quit the two jobs? Did you go all in? Yeah. So what happened was um, I actually got to a point where I couldn't afford college. So I went back home and I was, you know, working in, uh, another job while doing this Internet thing as well. So I got to the point where I needed to say that I want I want to quit. I want to quit my jobs and just do this Internet thing. And so I got to the point where I was doing like these ClickBank and affiliate things. And I got it to a point where I was doing like 100 bucks a day and 100 bucks a day at that time. It was like enough for me to quit. Right. And so it was another like maybe three or four months before I quit my full-time job um, working as a, a dishwasher uh, help in this deli in Manhattan. And, um, and at that time, I was like, okay, I got I to make at least 100 bucks a day and then I can quit. And I did. So I got it to the point where it was 100 bucks a day and I, and I finally quit my job. And it was like the, the first morning that I woke up, it was like, crap, like... What am I going to do now? How do I make another hundred bucks a day? You know, like you're was, on your own. I'm on my own. There's no net. That was the scariest part. Actually, the scariest part was that first morning when I woke up at 6 a.m. 
went downstairs to the kitchen, <laughs> opened up my laptop, and I was like, crap. I don't it's all have a job. Me. It's all like I've got a car to pay. You know that 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 was the that was the point where I was like that that there's like different levels to to my success, right? And the first was realization, realization that it could work. The second part of that was actually um, getting it to work. So getting it to stability. So realization to validation. So I had to validate that whatever I was doing works and it would continue to work. Um, and then the next step to that is leveling up your mindset or your brain because there was still something preventing me from moving forward. And that something was um, not knowing enough about how entrepreneurs think. And that was, that was like, I know how to make money. That's great. But I didn't know how entrepreneurs think. Tell, tell me about that. Like, what is the mindset of an entrepreneur? that separates one from just making money online to being a true entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. So um, the, the first thing that had happened to me was there was some sort of like catastrophic event that had to happen. And it was either like me not being able to go to college and I had to pay for everything myself or me trying to figure out how to make, you know, how to, how to quit my job, make this money by myself. And the, the next thing was I had to lose something. So I actually lost my car. It was repossessed. And uh, it was at a time during Christmas. And I was like, and this was during the time I was trying to figure things out and trying to make the internet thing work. So the business was not going super well. The hundred bucks a day kind of stopped working at that point? Or? It, it did well uh -huh. up to a certain point, right? And this is what happens and I've seen in every type of business is that it does well to a certain point. There's always an end to it. Unless the, unless you, you see you're in a market that's, that's not going to, end or you innovate or you or you innovate exactly so in this point i knew that it was going to end so it ended and when it did end i was like what do i do now crap, <laughs> crap. again so it's that crap you know what do i do now and uh at that point i had lost my car right repossessed repossessed i had 200 dollars in my bank account i was like crap again i was like what do i do and so uh I read this book, Thinking Grow Rich. I don't know how I got to this book, but it just came into my life somehow. And I read this book, Thinking Grow Rich. And Napoleon Hill had this philosophy where you would think about something and it's a physical object and it has to be something physical or something that you really want. Uh, in this case, it was a, a new car. And uh, at the point, I had friends who actually laughed at me because like, ha, ah, you lost your car, must, must suck to suck. And then if I felt like it was a like I was at the bottom of the totem pole, right? And it felt like terrible. And at that point, I got into like a, a period of de depression and all that. And so I wanted to get into uh, I wanted to get out of that. So I had read this book, Think and Grow Rich, and that's that's a that's the part where it's really tough because when you're in a period of depression and you end up like you don't know how to get out, that's that's a that's a tough period. But I, I found I found this book. So I read this book and Napoleon Hill said, think about this one thing that you want. And I said, okay, I, I want a BMW. I'm like, all right, I want this BMW. I, I know exactly what type of car I want. I really want this three series. And so uh, at the time, the three series was like, a used three series back in the days was like maybe like six or 7,000, right? And, and I, I saw this one car that I wanted on Craigslist. And what I did, Napoleon Hill said this, uh, he said, um, to broadcast whatever you want into the universe. 
so that people would know or you would know for yourself. And I told everyone about it. I'm like, all right, watch. In about two weeks' time, I'm going to buy this BMW. And I'm going to do it and just watch me. And so they laughed at me, right? They're like, I don't think you're going to do it. I'm going to see you at the bus station. You know? <laughs> so they laughed at me. And so I was so like, I was, I was so ambitious that I wanted to do this. Their doubts did not affect your no. vibe. It actually, it actually empowered me. It like fueled me. I was like, I really, now I need to do this. Like I need to show the world that I can actually do this, right? And so what I did was exactly what Napoleon Hill said. He said, picture this car in front of you. Close your eyes, feel it like you're behind the wheel. And I was looking at the Craigslist ad and I saw the, the, the BMW logo and I was like, okay, one day I'm going to like caress this logo with my, with my thumb and I'm going to be behind this wheel and I'm going to have this car, right? And so uh, that's, that's what I did. I found a product. And I did exactly what I did back in college. I found a product that I resold. And it was a digital service. And it was creating blogs. It was these uh, SEO blogs, right? And so that's what I did. I had resold these blogs. And come, come to think of it, like people actually wanted these blogs. It was, a, it was a hot item back in the days. And so in two weeks time, I had sold enough. I had sold $14,000 worth of these blogs in two weeks time. And I've never had that, that much money in my life. I'm like, I've never had past 10 grand in my life, right, at that point. And, um, and I couldn't believe it. So I, I took out the cash and it was like the most money I've ever held. I went to like the bank in Chinatown, Manhattan, because I was the only Wells Fargo that they had an ATM or a bank and um, took out the money. All of it in cash. All of it in cash, like six or 7,000. I went to the dealership and bought the car in cash in Queens, right, Queens, New York the train and i was like i was so worried because i had i had this stack of cash in my in my back pocket and i've never had this much cash in my life before went to the dealership bought the car the next day picked up the car drove it to uh one of my best friend's house and he's like oh my god he's like how do you how did you do this and then um and i eventually taught him some of the some of the things that i learned as well um, but that's the first st stage right the first stage was learning how entrepreneurs think and I think that's one of the most important stages is knowing what, what is the, the core of an entrepreneur. It's, it's the, and I believe Think and Grow Rich is one of those cores, is you picture what you want, you have a goal in mind, you, are, you become obsessed. That's the, the next step is you become obsessed about that goal and you're not going to stop until you hit that goal. So most people, they, they, they don't have this obsession. They're like, yeah, I got a goal. I, I want to make like a million bucks a year. And uh, yeah, that's my goal. And they're not really obsessed about it, right? If you're thinking about it each and every single day, you wake up thinking, okay, where's my goal? And another great, great book is um, The One Thing um, by Gary Keller. Really right? good book. Really yeah. good book. Awesome book. And so that, that kind of like flows into Think and Grow Rich because in The One Thing, he talks about how your goals have to be exactly like an obsession. Like you're looking at it as what am I doing in the, in the very second that's going to reach my one minute goal? What am I doing in the one minute that's going to reach my one hour goal? What am I doing in the one hour that's going to reach my one day goal? What am I doing in the one day that's going to reach my one week goal to my one month to my one year to my five year goal? So when you're looking at it in that sense, you're like every minute, every second counts. Total if, obsession. Obsession. If you're not working towards your goal, you're not obsessed about it. And so the students that I've also helped become millionaires, I've helped a lot of students become millionaires in the e-com space. 
the the one the one character trait that I would say that made them where they are was they were obsessed. They were absolutely like madmen, like madmen, mad women. That they wanted to, they wanted it so badly that they they eventually got it, and they did whatever it took to get it. Part of that is that hunger too. Yes, you gotta have the hunger and the drive, and I guess that comes from combining desire with obsession. Absolutely. So, um, so I'll, I'll give you an example. One of my one of my students, his name is Anthony, and um, when he came to me, he he was living in a two hundred dollar apartment in the Bronx, and one of the things that he absolutely wanted, he had a vision board, was he wanted this uh, uh, Mercedes, this AMG car, and he wanted that, and he wanted a nice luxury apartment, right? So him him and his wife they can live there, and so he became obsessed every single day working on his ecom store, every single day finding new products, every single day watching trainings, um, every sing- single day learning like for a whole like week or two weeks and then he finally broke through made his first hundred dollars a day in e-com and then started more than that and then made his first uh, million dollars a month in e-commerce um selling these um this product is is a like a like a coat right and so he sold he sold that product and and he finally bought his dream car and so he he comes to me and he's like dude it's because of what you taught me is because of the obsession. It's because of the, the wanting to not just like make money, but also the desire to continually learn and self-learn and self-educate because that's what you have to do nowadays. Making money is just not enough. Making money is just like a, a, a byproduct of what you have become already. So in my, in my opinion, like you have to become this new person in order to acquire this new thing. And if you're not going to become this new person, then it's never going to happen. You, you can make a lot of money, but you're not going to transform the way you do it or the way you level up. And that, that's what I've seen in businesses that there are different levels in business. With Think and Grow Rich, when you, when you visualize that BMW, what do you think is happening that is changing your mind and your character for you to then be able to receive the ideas that will flow you to the result you want? So the, the biggest thing when I was thinking about that BMW is Napoleon Hill also mentioned this. Think about the products and services you're going to render in order to receive that. So Jim Carrey did this when he, when he first started acting. He wrote himself a, a check, right? And I think it was like, I don't know, like a, 10 million, I $10 million, dollars, right? And so he wrote himself a check and he said to himself, this is the, this is this, uh, I'm writing this check for acting services rendered. So it's kind of like the same wording with Napoleon Hill. Think about the products and services you're going to render in order to receive XYZ. So first, it was my first car. Second, it was my first house. Third, it was my second house. Fourth, it was like a number in business, right? Which was like eight figures in business. And then fourth is like, you know, it's, it's always like something like tangible. So you always have to have something tangible. Yes. Just having a number is tougher than having a physical object that you want to attain. In my opinion, I feel like it's a little bit harder when you have like a physical number. But if you have something tangible, like, okay, I want to get to X amount of employees or I want to get to um, when you when you're talking about an object, it's much easier because you're, you I, I don't know, for some people, it might be the other way around. Because right? if you just say I want 100K, right, it's sort of hard to conceptualize like you're not really holding it in cash. It's just a number in a bank account. 
you also maybe have no clue which services you're going to render to get it. Exactly. So yeah. if someone wants to use the think and grow rich principles, but they don't have any clue of how they're going to get, which services they're going to provide, what would you say to them? So what, what I did was I basically, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? There's a lot of different products and services out there that you can already do right now that doesn't require you to like become like this new like idea in the world. Uh, a lot of, a lot of times, another one is uh, um, by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Love that guy. Yeah. He talks about, you don't have to, you know, once you build a great product, build a better mousetrap, the world will create a beaten path to your door. Even if you're in the, in the woods, they'll create a beaten path to your door. So you just have to create a better product or a better service or provide a better customer support or better, better experience for your customers. So whether you're selling SEO, whether you're selling, um, whether you're a consultant, whether you're selling e-commerce products. I think if you sell, if you have a better product or a better presentation or whatever it is that makes you different from the world, that's where those are the products and services you can render and start from there. Find out what's working. So one of the things that I used to do is I used to go on this website called flippa.com. And what I would do is I would go on flippa and find these products and services and these websites that are selling for like six figures and up. And then I would re I would take that idea and utilize that in my business. And I'm saying, okay, how, how is this website that's selling for half a million dollars, what made them successful? So I would, I would take those ideas and then utilize them in my current business. And that's what I've seen the most success is you don't have to you know, reinvent the wheel, just find something that's already working, that system that's already working, utilize that to your advantage and start from there. Then you're, you're gonna start to optimize from there for yourself. This reminds me of what a friend said once was like, Find out what works and do more of it. Exactly. A lot of people don't even spend time to figure out what is really working in their life. Right. Which habits, which um, or which products, for example, as in business, is like if you can find out, okay, this is really giving me returns, I'm gonna maximize all my energy on that. I'm gonna double that, I'm gonna triple that. Exactly. Sometimes I, I feel like uh, and this happens to everyone, there's that shiny object syndrome, right? You're chasing everything. Yep. <laughs> You're chasing everything. But here's the thing: I've seen a lot of things. And the thing that you put your most, your most focus on is the thing that'll work the most, obviously, right? So I've seen this happen too many times, even in myself, where, okay, I wanna do SEO. Wait, I wanna do e-commerce. Wait, I wanna do consulting. Wait, I wanna do like, I don't know, whatever it is at the time, right? And it's like 5% of 20 different things versus 100% of just one thing. And so a lot of times, I've seen a lot of people try to make it in the space. They're doing so many different things while the one thing that was providing them the most value, the most money in their life, they kind of neglect it. And so that's what I've learned as well. And, and it'll, it'll happen. Like you'll watch an ad and you're like, okay, I want to do Amazon now. Okay. It'll, you'll watch an ad and okay, I want to do Facebook or I want to do Google or, or Google shopping is the way, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that you put your focus on, that's the way. And if, if that's the one that's producing the most income for you, focus on that first, systemize it, let it run by itself so that you can, and, and the thing is like, if you, if you uh, this is what I did with stealth agents is that I got to the point where I let it run by itself so I can step away and then focus on something else. Because if that thing is not automating, it's not working as you're sleeping and it's not producing money for you as you're sleeping, 
then you want to make it so that it's producing money as you're sleeping. And then you can step away. If not, you can't step away, in my opinion. You just have to keep working on that. And that's how people get stuck maybe in one business because they can never really step away. Or it's a cycle too, right? So what happens here is that, so you make money. So in this case, in the affiliate space, I had made a lot of money in the affiliate space. But the affiliate space is kind of like a cycle. You got to constantly find new products. You got to constantly launch. You got to constantly email. You got It's like you're doing it all over again. It's not really a system. It's more of like a, like a, like a job that you have to be there. If you're not there, it doesn't make money for you. If you can, if you can say that if I'm not there, it's going to make money for me. That's a system. That's a business that Warren Buffett would want to buy. It's something that you don't have to be there, but it's going to generate money for you versus something where, um, and you know, in the Kiyosaki, the four quadrants, you go from employed to self-employed to investor, to business owner, to investor. Right. And so when you're going from that stages, you're basically doing the exact same thing as if you were employed. You're just creating another job in that same cycle. So when you're, in this case, affiliate marketing, I was, unless it's, unless it's systemized and automated and you can run it without being there, that was kind of like a job because I had to keep emailing. Like I, I knew how to write the copy. I knew how to do the webinars and all that stuff. And it was kind of like the same thing over and over again. And so your income stays the same year over year. But if you create a system, that's when you can level up to the next level, which is some, a business that you can step away from while it's making money for you as you sleep. Were there other lessons in Think and Grow Rich that you learned that have served you in your life? So the biggest part is in the very beginning of the book. It pretty much he sums it up to uh, this book is going to change your life or it's not. And he talks about how if you read it, it could just be a whole bunch of text and words on a book. But if you actually apply the steps and strategies, it can change your life completely. So don't take it for granted. And I know I've seen a lot of billionaires. They also attribute their success um, to this book, like Barbara Corcoran, right? From Shark Tank, real estate mogul. Um, they attribute a lot of their success to this book. And that's because they actually have taken action on it. That's the most important part. And I think that's like 99% of what a lot of the you know people out there are, are, are missing is that just, just do it. There's no way it's going to be perfect the first time. It's never going to be perfect. You just go out and do it. You do it enough times, you start to optimize it. And eventually it starts to become towards perfection. But what I've learned is that there's never an end. There's never a perfection. Like we're at a point right now in Stealth Agents, we're a little over two years um, from when we first started the, for, for clients, servicing clients. And I've learned there's never ever a perfection. There's always more to go. There's always more to improve. In the beginning of Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill talks about this secret that you will find in the pages of the book, right. but he never specifies what it is. What do you think that is? So in my opinion, I mean, he's interviewed pretty much like the billionaires of the time. Yeah. And he's found that they all share the common traits. I think the biggest secret to the book is uh, improving your brain. And it's, it's like continually working on learning. Um, so, you know, we come from a, a society where you have to go to school to learn. You have to take these courses. And yeah, that's great. But I, in my opinion, I think schooling is great if you're just going to regurgitate the content that you've learned, right? I don't remember what, I was, what happened in fourth grade history class. I don't remember what happened to Columbus or, you know, I don't remember any of that. But what I do remember is I remember how to learn. And so 
in my opinion, learning is probably the secret in that book is learning how to become successful, learning how to learn. And it never stops. It doesn't stop. And probably the the smartest people and the most successful people that you know, they're constantly learning, right? Always, and always. Are there habits that you have in your life day to day where you, you make sure you get your learning in? So uh, one thing, uh, when I first got started in the entire business, I used to like to uh, business hack everything, right? The fastest ways to getting a thousand visitors a day in your website, the fastest ways to 10 grand a day, the fastest ways to whatever it was. So I like the business hack. So what I, what I like to do is I like to look at all these different strategies out there that are available, even on YouTube, even on Facebook, wherever it may be, they're available uh, courses, right? And I would take a lot of those ideas and start implementing some of those ideas into my current business, which is stealth agents. So one hack that I found, for example, was, um, and this is kind of like the whole process of continually learning. So I bought this course. It was like, I don't know, 47 bucks or something like that. But this one course changed like the trajectory of one of our lead generating systems in our business. And it was what you would do is you would create these accounts on Facebook and you would outreach to clients on Facebook groups. And so we did that multiplied by a lot of people in the Philippines. And so that's one of our ways in generating leads is we reach out to people on Facebook because our customers are on Facebook. They're also on Google, right? The ones on Google are also on Facebook. The ones on Instagram are also on Facebook. But we figured out a way where we can take a $47 course and turn it into a lead generating system doing anywhere from like 200 to as high as 700 appointments per month for our sales teams. Did you ever go back to the course owner and tell him the story of how? I would, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, I, sh I should, right? <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this one course that I took and um, it's by the guy named Blake Newbar. And uh, he has this social media course. It was only like a $47 or something course. I forgot what it was. But from that one idea, I took, a, I took away so much, so much value from that. And the same thing from other courses. And that's kind of like the continual learning process. Not just Facebook, but, you know, if we were to do like Google or if we were to do like um, onboarding or sales systems and things like that. I'm only looking for like one key takeaway from these five, 20 different, uh, shiny objects that you can actually apply. Yes, exactly. I find this to be so true in my own life where one call with one person, one idea shared in that call can completely change the direction of someone's life. Absolutely. I'll give you another example. There is a website called clarity.fm. And Clarity.fm, you can actually book calls with like CEOs of either current companies or previous companies. I booked a call with the CEO from um, a previous CEO of a competitor of ours called Virtual, right? And so we were able to talk and discuss about how, in this case, it was how she hires her team. Uh, another call, uh, if you know Mind Valley Labs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I had a call with the previous COO of the previous CEO of Mindvalley Labs, not the current one. And so he was able to help me learn about operations and skills and things that I need. So um, that's a very valuable resource that you can also access into, not just these books, but also look into like resources that are the people that are actually doing it right now. And once again, it's just like one or two key takeaway things that I've learned from these people. Um, like from the COO of Mindvalley Labs, I learned about reporting systems and how people should report to you, report back to you in terms of like uh, what's been broken, what's doing well, and what's in the medium stages of like, it's not broken, but it's also not doing well. 
So I've learned a lot about those things um, just by these various calls. Sometimes people are afraid to reach out for help and they're afraid to go to someone who's earning 10 times as much as they are and just ask, hey, I need help with something. Here's what I also learned. It doesn't, you can also humble yourself and it doesn't matter if they're making 10 times more or if they're making 10 times less. I've been able to learn from all walks of life, people that are, um, that are not making as much, people that are making more. I'm, I'm able to learn from every single one of those people. And I, I feel like when you humble yourself to that stage, that's when you're always teachable. When you, become, when you get to a stage where you're not teachable, that's when you die. That's, that's it. You can't be taught anymore. You're, you're, that, you know everything, right? Mm. You, can't, you can't learn anything more. And that's when, you, that's when I've seen a lot of people become very successful to just kind of stagnant. Or, um, and and one, one person that mentioned this was Grant Cardone. He says, there's, you're either expanding or you're contracting. There's no in-between. And the goal is always to keep expanding? Yes. Yep. The goal is always to keep learning. Do you ever notice like, oh, I'm in a contraction phase. I got to turn this around. Absolutely. And so knowing that, that one trick is that, I'm never just in the middle, right? I'm always expanding or contracting because when I'm in the middle, it's most likely contraction. I'm most likely um, like not improving, not learning, not growing at that stage. So I'm contracting. If, if I feel like I'm expanding and I feel good every single day that we've accomplished something new, then I'm, I'm in that expansion stage. Whether you're learning something new, learning a new skill, or if you, um, in this case, what we do is we, we create roadmaps for, for our company. And so in those roadmaps, did we hit this roadmap? And what are we going to do to hit this roadmap? And so if, if we're like closer to our goal to hitting that roadmap, I feel like we're, we're expanding. We're exp- in the expansion stage. And of course, the revenues will follow after that. I think it was Tony Robbins that said, happiness is progress. If you see progress in your life, even the tiniest bit, then you're going to be happy. And that, that kind of ties into the expansion I feel like you could replace progress with expansion. It would be the same. Absolutely. He's 100% correct. I mean, actually, in an entrepreneur's brain, uh, it's very important that you invest in yourself, right? You don't want to be in a stage where you're making decisions when you're upset or when you're uh, depressed. You don't want to be making decisions in those stages. You want to try to get yourself out of that stage first. Work on yourself. Work on your brain. Do whatever you need to do. Go to the beach. Take a walk whatever it is that you need to do to get yourself to that stage. Once you're in that stage, you can make better decisions. And I've seen myself making really, really bad decisions when I'm upset. It's the worst time. You're not thinking rationally. Absolutely. You're angry or you're upset or you're frustrated. I think Oprah said this. When you're in that situation, be still and ask yourself, what is the next right move? And that stillness, that, that is the hardest thing to do when someone's got you emotionally turbulent. But it's so key. Absolutely. Imagine, imagine if you had uh, to make a move. And in this case, in my position, um, we either hire a bunch of people or we kind of like lay them off for a little bit. Right. And so you don't want to make a bad decision because that's going to affect someone else's life. That's going to affect someone else's livelihood that they may have kids, they may have whatever it may be. And so I always, and, and this is always in my, in my thought process is when I make a decision, I want to make sure that it's going to benefit everyone else. In, in business, you get to a point where you have to be wise in those decisions. You can't just make decisions just because of uh, 
impulsiveness, impulsiveness and irrational, you know, just thoughts that come up. You have to make decisions that is a strategic decision as well. So it's kind of like playing chess. And I sometimes for me, I'll make a move, but it'll also either it'll also benefit in a certain way, because let's say I, I need to lay off a whole bunch of people. Right. I will. I'll do something like that, but then I'll I'll put them in another position where I can get them back in once we get to a certain stage or once we get to like a certain you know level of um, sales or whatever it may be. So there's always that option, or we would reposition them somewhere else. So if someone, let's say someone is in a depressed state, they're not thinking rationally. Maybe they're upset. Is there anything you recommend for them in order to reach another state? where they can make smarter decisions for their life. What, what I like to do is I like to take trips. I like to take um, long trips, whether it's a week, two weeks, or whatever it may be. Those trips can actually reset your brain. So I would come to places like Bali, right? Spend a month, two months in Asia. Um, I would go to different places like Florida or California, wherever it may be. And I would basically spend time there and just like refocus my brain. So sometimes people need this. I've seen business owners where they're like, oh yeah, I have all these problems and um, I don't know how to solve them. And I'm like, have you ever taken a trip? Have you ever like just went out to the beach for like a week or so just to clear your mind? It's like, I can't do that because if I do that, my business is going to suffer. And I'm like, well, would you want it to suffer now for a long time? Or would you want to just have a short amount of suffering so that you can fix this for the future? And so... Um, that's, that's what I do personally. I like to take trips. I like to enjoy and go different places. Take a vacation, take a vacation, (laughs) take a breather, take a breather. And, and when I first started, I didn't know how to do that. You know, I was always feel like you have to be in the thick of it all times. Yes. I I always felt like, okay, uh, well there's this client right here. There's these customers that I have to always take care of. And, and I never had the ability before, before learning about systems and and being able to step away, I never really had a business where I could step away for two months and not even think about it Um, until until the point where I found the systems and the processes in order to create that through management and things like that. Now I can actually do that and, and optimize. Do you have a morning routine or something where you prime your mindset every morning so you have the best state possible for life? So in the mornings, um, what I usually do is I just uh, cook like four eggs. I have like this four egg diet every day. Consistency. So, yeah, consistent, right? And so I'll do that and I'll drink. Um, uh, it's, it's like this uh, uh, shake uh, for energy. It's like B12 shake. So I'll, I'll drink one of those. And that kind of gets me up in the morning. And usually my mornings from, I would say, 7 a.m., so I'd wake up 6 a.m., 7 a.m. to about like 11 a.m. is my best time. That's like the time where I do my best work. And so that's my sacred time. I can't have any distractions. And that's what I do. I work from, so I'll have my breakfast. I'll work from 7 to about 11. I'll take a nice little break. And, um, and then basically it starts to go downhill from there. Like my energy, my stamina, like everything. At 3 p.m. I'm like, I'm done. You know, I'm like, I have no more energy, no more, no more. Um, I look, I, I like to look at it as my, my business life. I have four boxes 
if I'm filling up those boxes every day, either meetings or whatever it may be, I have like maybe two other boxes to, to fill for the rest of the day. And if by 3 p.m. all four boxes have been filled, my brain is already done, then I'll probably take a break for the rest of the day. I'll go spend time with the kids, go, uh, go somewhere, take a walk, watch some Netflix, whatever. I need to take my brain off of business. So the balance between work and play, it's every day. You, you basically make sure there's a bit of play in the evening and all the work in the morning gets done. Right. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I've been in Asia for about like a month and a half now. And so what I do is I just basically um, I work during like a certain number of hours. Like I'll, I'll work like maybe in the mornings and sometimes at night. And the entire time I'm just spending time with family. Like we're going to the beach, you know, we're I'm doing that reset right now. So right now is more playtime. Right. Some people don't really know how to take that playtime. It's hard. I mean, uh, another thing that's really hard is knowing how to have playtime. And especially when it's like when you're taking two to three months off, right? Knowing how to have some playtime, but also working during playtime. And yeah. that's, that's really hard. Talk to me about that. Like, how do you manage that? Some people just can't do it because they just can't separate their mind from work and play, right? Uh, but in this case, because I've been doing this for many years now, we come to Asia or we, mainly it's Asia. We go here for like a few months out of the year, two to three months. And so when we do that, I've learned how to handle business while during playtime and also be effective during that time as well. So just like my 7 to 11 a.m. time that I spend on work, I specifically work like, it's kind of like I work like 10 people in like one hour. I'll talk to like, the graphics department, web development department, leads department. Um, I'll talk to every single department and like, I'm like the guy on Slack that has like, you know, five different things going on. And I'm talking to like five different channels in like 15 minutes. That's like, that's what I do. I found that uh, when you kind of spend your most valuable time in like a short amount of time, you, get, you, can, you can produce a lot more, especially if it's focused work. If it's unfocused work and you're doing spreading this out over like eight hours, I'd rather have an hour of fo focused work than eight hours of unfocused work. Because on eight hours of unfocused work, you could be like pulling up Gmails, you could be pulling up tabs, you could be pulling up like whatever shiny object happens at that time. What I did was I have a Trello board and that Trello board is a bunch of tasks that I need done. And then I'll divvy out those tasks to the virtual assistants and the people that I have working with us to making sure that those tasks are, are being done. Tabs, they can be an addiction. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I'm one of those guys that has like 30 tabs, right? I, I do that. But um, yeah, I got like yeah. a Chrome extension where <laughs> it'll save all your tabs in like a bookmark list. Okay. Because I'll just have like 100 tabs open. I'll be like, I've got to focus, but I can't close them because I'm like, there might be something <laughs> important there. There might be something. <laughs> there never is probably. Yeah. But I'll use this extension. I'll be like, I think it's called Session Buddy. Okay. And then you just click it. It saves every single tab in like a little list. And then you can close your windows. And Interesting. It's good to go. Yeah. What I've learned from that is uh, I've always learned to just do that one key takeaway. If I can, if I can open up an article and there's one key takeaway, I'll, I'll, I'll read through the whole article. It's stuff that I already know or stuff that I've heard a million times. But if there's something that's brand new that I've never heard before, I'll take that one key takeaway, write it down, put it on a shell board, whatever it may be. And then that's kind of like, it kind of accumulates. And then you get this like super brilliant idea of like how to accomplish it. 
For time management or to-do lists, is Trello the main tool you use or there's other things that you do to manage your time? So uh, for CRMs, uh, for our sales teams, it's going to be Zoho. Uh, so that's pretty much time management there. For um, just tasks operational-wise, it's going to be Trello. Um, I'm kind of like looking into ClickUp and other other platforms, but one thing about ClickUp is it can't integrate Google Sheets or something, Google Forms, which is kind of weird. Um, but... The other ones, like you still have to zap everything. Um, but pretty much like Trello is is my main go-to list. And we have everything in a Kanban style. So I'll have like operations. I'll have like graphic design, web development, um, leads and sales. And then basically at the end is like completed. And so I'll just drag everything over to completed. When do you do your thinking time where you like think about the broad picture of which goals you want to tackle this year in the next five years? Because that's separate from to-do tasks. Right. So that kind of happens spontaneously, like every day. Like I'll just be in a restaurant and I'm like, man, I got this great idea. Let me write it down. Most of the time it happens when I'm just, my mind is clear. But with, if I'm with my kids and I'm focused on my kids, you know, um, but if it's, if it's a time where I'm just in a restaurant, just kind of sitting there on my phone, then I'll think of like these, these great ideas and I'll start writing them down. You ever get this where you're like on a plane flight and that's the best time to absolutely. think because there's nothing to do? Yep, absolutely. So showers are one of one of the best times for me like i don't know probably entrepreneurs watching this they're probably like yeah showers you know like, <laughs> i know i know one friend of mine justin um he has a notepad in his shower like <laughs> waterproof yeah it's waterproof too showers are probably like it's it's like meditation time for me you know um the 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 the, the background noise the the shower the the water hitting you know the floor it's just like it's kind of like meditation for me. So that's when I can clear my brain. And you know, guys, I can, I can like look at a blank wall and just like think of nothing. Like I could literally do that. I could literally, like, I don't know, because my wife is like, how do you do that? How do you think of nothing? I'm like, I just do. I just look at a blank wall and I'll think of nothing. When I, when I clear my mind in the shower, thoughts will come in. And these are like brilliant thoughts about how can I improve the business? How can I increase revenues? How can I decrease costs? Just like these thoughts will come in and it's some of the brilliant, most brilliant thoughts that I've ever had. I wonder if it's because we're relaxed and we're just sort of unguarded. And so the ideas can sort of flow into our mind. Like I find when I'm going to sleep, that can also be one of the times where it's like, oh shit, I got to pull out the notebook. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. you're trying to fall asleep, yeah. but there's something downloading. You're like, I can't miss this insight. I got to write it yeah. down. There was one time where... Um, my thought, I don't know what happened, but like, it was like two or 3 a.m. My thoughts, I woke up and I'm like, I just had an hour worth of notes. Yeah. I, I don't know what just happened. Like my brain just like went into like super hyperdrive. Those times are sacred. Yeah. To absolutely. write it all down. And I did. I took out my phone. I wrote it all down. And basically it, it laid out the framework of how I ran the operations for stealth agents within that 2, 2 a.m. thought. I think some people, they get ideas, but they sort of either ignore the intuition or they say, I'll do this later. But the, the timing is important, right? It's like when the idea is fresh, to dive into it, apply it right away. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's even easier if you have a team that'll help you. Um, it's harder when you're, when you're trying to do everything yourself, right? But when you have a good team, and this is why I always say invest in a good team. Invest in good management because that's how you're going to take your business to the next level. You can't do everything yourself. It's impossible. You can to a certain point, but that point stops as well. 
you're going to need a team. Like you're going to need, you know, for, for you, for example, you're going to need videographers, uh, audio engineers, audio right? engineer, you're gonna need a team. editor. Right. You you're, can do it all yourself, but you kind of get burnt out. And also other people have their genius zone, right? And absolutely. If, if their genius zone is editing and you give it to them, it'll be so much better. They'll be able to use their their skills. Absolutely. Now, this advice would only apply after you're making money, right? Mm. Because the the first thing that you have to do is you got to do everything yourself first. I, I did sales myself. I did operations myself. I did the web design myself. I did all those things myself. I had to get into the nitty gritty before I can actually systemize it. To know it inside out. Right. Because you're not going to know what to, what to improve if you've never actually been in it. You're not in the in the factory floor. You know, Elon Musk, he visits his factory floor. He goes and he watches his cars being made. He improves the uh, production. And that's his best time is on the factory floor. It's not in his office. Yeah. So that's what I do. Is I make sure that I do everything myself first. Get to the validation stage. The validation stage is it's making money. It's doing it consistently. Now it's time to scale. What are some common mistakes you see people make? financial mistakes where they they just don't know what they're doing maybe or have not thought things through i think uh the the first the, the biggest thing is uh rushing into things too quickly and the second thing is investing in things that you don't know um so what what i tend to do is i like to dissect whatever i'm investing into and figure out like is Google Ads a good thing? Is Facebook Ads a good thing? And I'll I'll, I'll start with a small budget. I'm not going to go heavy or anything like that. I'll start. I all start with a small budget. Another big thing is um, overhead costs. Overhead costs, whether you're in the beginning stages or you're in the middle or the end or like the the higher level stages, overhead costs can make or break a business. If you don't keep your overhead costs in line in check, you might you you might be like, okay, what am I spending? on or uh how how do we spend this much money in such a short amount of time i didn't even realize we did this much of spend in a short amount of time uh overhead costs financially in business is like one of the things to look out for another one is get yourself your your books and finances in order uh if if you can't afford a cfo or anything like that make sure you do it all yourself first make sure you ha track all your spending track all your earnings because that in a business that can like Oh, I'm making a hundred bucks a day or I'm making a thousand, ten thousand dollars a day, but I don't know how much I'm spending. It seems like I'm making money, right? Because the bank account is growing or it's or whatever it may be. But you get to a certain point where let's say it's not making ten thousand dollars a day anymore, but you're still spending five thousand dollars a day. Get your get your finances in order. You mentioned there was levels to the game, levels to entrepreneurship. So the first one is realization, then validation. Um then scaling, I, I suppose. So first, you got to realize that you can do it. Second is you validate that you're, what you're doing is, is making money and it's working. The third is you create systems for this and you need people for this. You need someone to replace you, essentially. And so, for example, first I did the sales for South Agents. And then I got a salesperson to replace me. And then I got a sales manager and then I got campaign managers to help with the, with the campaigns and to make sure that people are happy. So once you figured out the stage of validation that this is what I need to do, this is the way to do it, then you create a system and a process for it where you don't have to do it yourself.
but you have someone that's helping you or people that's helping you. And it gets to a point where you need management for your management. So you need like directors for your manage for your managers. Uh, and this that's that's how I was able to step away because at the point of hiring a manager, you're still managing that manager. That manager is still telling you the problems and what to improve. Now, if you replace yourself with a director that handles the managers, the director pretty much just talks to you and gives you all the info and you're just basically the strategy. You're basically, you're not doing any of this. You're just the strategy. You basically have one person that you're checking in with. I just check in with two people. Two people. So it's my COO and the director of operations. And they talk to everyone. So I'll just give them, okay, I need need finances to do this. I need um, accounting to do this. I need web development to do this. And they'll just handle all of that. And then just report back to me. There's a lot of trust required for that. Has thing have things ever gone sideways where you're like, oh, this thing is not getting done that I thought would get done? And how did you recover from that? It happens all the time. One of the things uh, you have to learn is how to work with people and how to work with how they how they operate. So someone's mode of operation is not the same as yours. They may like working a certain way that's different from yours, right? So it may not be a Trello board. It might be an Asana board or Monday.com board or whatever it may be. But you have to learn how to work with them. And so that's what I've learned is that when you, when you learn how to work with your directors or your managers, um, you essentially find out what their strengths are and what the weaknesses are. And if it's, if it's a weakness, you can train. You can help improve that over time. But if it's always going to be a weakness, then you know they can't do it. And it's not just it's not like a fit. For them to do it so if it's like okay i want my operations to also know marketing they're probably not going to do that unless you know they're a different type of breed gotcha so it's always checking in what their strengths are what their weaknesses are and compensating for their weaknesses maybe by hiring other people having certain systems in place exactly and that's where you're always going to be improving your systems so for me to step away from stealth agents i had to step away from sales from campaign management from follow-ups and all that stuff. So in each of those departments, we have a manager for those. And so those are people that have strengths in, let's say, sales or lead generation or whatever it may be, web development. And then the directors, usually the directors are really good in just operations. They're just good at talking to them, getting the feedback and and basically like um, the execution part. But there are certain skills like marketing and Google ads and stuff like that, that you need to get a certain specific type of person for that. Now, in the beginning stages, whether you're going to outsource that or have a full, full, uh, you know, in-house person for that, in my opinion, I think it's best to outsource everything first before you start doing a full-time person. Like, get subcontractors, get get contractors to do your web design or to do whatever it may be, right? For initially, for now, until you get to the stage where it's making money. Now, I need to take this a little bit more seriously and get someone full-time for this. Talk to me a little bit about abundance mindset, because it's one thing to have goals to earn money, but also to have a sense of gratitude and not get carried away with numbers. I'm curious how that's how gratitude and abundance plays a role in your life. Absolutely. So the, the biggest thing for me is progression. And it's not always like a money amount, but it's more of like a progression. If I'm investing in something, obviously the money amount's going to go lower for now, but I'm investing in something that will eventually pay off later. 
but I'm investing in progression because the people that have, you know, eight figure companies, nine figure companies, billion dollar companies, they invest in the people before they invest in other things. So when you invest in your people, you're basically taking the time and the money spent on progressing that person so that they can work on your business. So in an abundance mindset, I, I believe that, um, like you're either expanding or contracting, right? You always want to be in an abundance mindset. You always want to have, um, you always want to give more. So I'm more of like a giver than a taker. I love giving to my team. Like I love offering them things and I love giving that opportunity as long as they can handle it and they can, they're hungry for it as well. So that's the second part is reception of that gift. Wasn't there one time where you like bought a gym membership for every one of your employees so that their health was sort of looked after? Yeah. Yeah. So we did that. Um, this is prior to COVID. Uh, we had an office in Jersey and we had a whole bunch of in-house employees there. And, um, uh, we took them out to the gym. Like, I think it was like nine or 10 AM somewhere around there because when your brain is, is working, um, you're, there's much more, there's more, uh, blood flow to your brain and just in your body in general, it just makes you feel better and make you, uh, smarter, smarter, right. Better decisions and just all that stuff. So that's what we, that's what we did. And it, it did help out. Would you keep that system in place if you still had that office to, if I had that office, um, I, I probably would have, I probably would have kept it because now you've gone all virtual. Yeah. It's all virtual now. Has there been any hiccups in that process or has it been overall a great sort of transition? So for me, uh, I have this thing called this, this, it's funny because my company's name is called stealth agents, but I also bought this thing called stealth board and you can look it up. It's on Google stealth board. It's like a, it's, um, one of the best inventions in my opinion for like office workouts. And what it is, is it, it basically works out your core and you're playing a game as you're working out your core. So you're tricking your brain to, to basically working out because you're actually playing a game. Mm -hmm. So I, I love this thing. Every, every 15 minutes or like every, um, I'll, I'll work on it like for about 10 or 15 minutes and then I'll get back on my computer and I'll feel super refreshed. Are you going to get a stealth board for every one of your employees? <laughs> I would, I would. I mean, um, if, if they would use it, if know? it helps, yeah. yeah, if it helps. Yeah. But yeah, I've gotten one for myself and it's one of the best things that I've, that I use in my office. When you talk to billionaires, right? Cause you've hung out with a few billionaires. What do they do differently from a millionaire mindset? There's not a lot. The, the biggest difference is that they have systems as well. They don't do anything like themselves. They have exactly like, kind of like what I'm mentioning with these systems is that they have uh, hiring people, they, uh, hiring staff, they have hiring managers, they've got sales teams, they got all the exact same things. So what I've realized is that a lot of the companies that are scaled up, they first work on these systems, they manage and hire the right people. And from there, they basically uh, improve their sales over time with using, utilizing these systems. It's just a, it's just a method of scaling and time because scaling is also time as well. You have to be able to be in the market for quite a while and also gain uh, that market share in order to get your business to where you want it to be. So millionaire, billionaire, it's sort of the same mindset, but different scales, would you say? So I would say the billionaires are the ones that are not in their business. They, they don't have to be in their business. The business is growing by themselves. Mm. 
the millionaires are the ones that, depending on which levels of millionaires, right? You have the levels of millionaires that they're constantly always working on their business. Like they, they have to be there or otherwise it dies. And then you have the other levels of millionaires where they don't have to be there, they're, but they're still improving it and optimizing it. And then you have the billionaires, which is like a totally different level. And it's basically just multiplying what that one millionaire with the system has 10, 20, 100 times. Okay. So it's like, I don't know, imagining restaurants everywhere where you optimized one of them. Now you have a franchise and you're just expanding. Right. The, the problem you come into is logistics because you can't hire the same hiring manager. And, you know, if you want to hire more people, you have to have more hiring managers to be able to handle it or HR departments. So the, the, the problem there comes logistic, how to do that, how to multiply what you have right now, which is the system times 10 times 20 times 100. How did they do it? It's, it's time and management. So you got to have like, you got to hire the right management and there's not a lot of them out there. Right. So there's also a limit, limited amount of people. So at that point you're, you're uh, offering poaching people, <laughs> you're pro yeah, you're poaching people, you're offering more. You're basically, um, you're, you're, you're multiplying what you have right now, which is the hardest part, which is logistically where that comes into play. How long have you been running stealth agents? Uh, so this company for a little over two years now. There's a story that I heard where in the beginning you had to pay your employees in cash. Yeah. And so that because they didn't have bank accounts in the Philippines and that I'd love to hear this story from you. Yeah. So it was, it's actually quite fun. It's kind of like, um, so one time I was actually in, in my office down there and uh, this was before this system called Gcash came out, but everyone was paid like, like I had, I had a bag of cash. Like it's like a, you know, these two bags of cash are like, they're pretty heavy too. Um, and that's how we would pay people. We would pay them every week with literally like stacks and stacks of cash. I have pictures. Um, so you go to the bank and you're yep. like, I need to withdraw this much cash. In that case, we would go to uh, like a remittance place. And remittance is how we take money from the U.S. and bring it over to like overseas um, to like the Philippines, for example. And so this remittance place, we could withdraw like, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars at a time. And that's basically where you would go. You'd go to this place that you'd have your ID and everything. And did you need a bodyguard or, or something when you're transporting that much cash? Well, or? they didn't know it was in the bag. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, it was just a, a brown paper bag, right? Uh, sometimes it would be a duffel bag. but, <laughs> <laughs> but It sounds so sketchy, but also yeah. so, so funny. Uh, but that's that's how we paid people, right? And Because um, a, a lot of them down south, they didn't even have bank accounts. So we would have to distribute money with cash. And so that's kind of how we did it. Uh, we just, you know, my manager would just go to the bank, pick up the cash and distribute it to our team. One of the things about you that I, I like is that you have a purpose driven mission. So it's not just about becoming to, to get more millions or become a billionaire, that there is a purpose behind it. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So it's more than just the money part, because if you're just focused on the money part, it's and there's no purpose behind it, you're just going to be, it's, it's, not, it's not like a fulfilling mission, right? Um, I've made lots of money before and it wasn't like, it didn't make me happy. What it did was just gave me more money in my bank account. It wasn't like an increase in happiness. Um, what did make me happy was the progression that we were doing. So in Stealth Agents, 
one of our missions is to provide jobs and to empower the people that we have in our company and also for uh, a culture of growth. So they're not always pigeonholed in the same job. They're not always doing the same things. They're, they could grow if they want to, if they learn new skills, if they learn management, if they, you know, because we're always looking for more managers. So that's kind of like our mission is growth. And seeing, and, and one of, the, one of my, my favorite things to do as an entrepreneur is, is helping someone grow. Like, for example, helping my student Anthony do seven figures in his uh, e-com store. That, that made me feel great because he was able to provide for his family. He's able to do all these things. If you can help one person do that and multiply those efforts over multiple magnitude of people, that, that's, what, that's what makes me happy is seeing the growth. Seeing that when we took out our managers to this eight-bedroom villa in Barakai overseeing the ocean and they've never ever experienced something like that. And it's, it's something like that takes them from like their regular day-to-day life and they've like this is something new that i can do i love seeing that i love seeing people seeing that they can grow with us and that's that's kind of like our core mission is growth what is your mission for you said you have to have like a five-year mission 10-year mission do you have that in your life and and how does that work for you? absolutely so the five-year mission is for us to take south agents into becoming one of the top um, BPOs and virtual sense companies in the world. So that's what we want to do. Um, and then we have a one year mission as well. And we have, um, basically like steps in, in doing that, um, revenue goals and things like that. Another thing is, uh, when you, when you hire like managers and directors and people that are on, on the top of your list, you also want to create a five-year goal for them as well. What you want to do is you want to create a five-year uh, you want to you want to basically break down and reverse engineer it of what type of skills that they need to learn within those five years to get to the goal that you have right now. Gotcha. One thing I wanted to ask you about is: Have you ever been betrayed by someone in business? Right, because that can be really tough when maybe someone steals money from you, someone you trust betrays your trust. Um, how do you get over that? How do you not lose faith? in humanity and not let it get you down. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one was my main manager in the Philippines. And, you know, we had a three-story building and um, it was, there was a lot of people there. So a lot of money was moving. And uh, one thing that I learned, I didn't learn this until later on, was that, I mean, it was just so much, so much like backstabbing. It was like, at first it was, she was Bitcoin mining, using our electricity in the, in the old office and then in the new office. Um, secondly, I had bought like almost like 20 computers. We ended up with just one. Third, it was like, it was straight up like money embezzlement, right? Um, where, and then also employees didn't get their, their pay and things like that. And I didn't know about that until later. It was a lot. But... Uh, yeah, I did feel betrayed because she was, what I did, I, I hired her, I rehired her three times in the previous years. The first time was, she was like, oh, well, um, you know, I, I felt bad for her because she was like, I, I need to provide for my kids, blah, blah, blah. So wait, wait, you fired her one time yep. because of these issues? Because of prior issues. Not stealing, but something else. It was something else. The second time was stealing. And the third time was like the big stealing. 
see, this is interesting to me, right? Because you've like the second time you already know that she has stolen money, and yet you give her a third chance. I give her, I, I give her a second shot, because I'm, and, and back then I was also a lot nicer. <laughs> Tell me about that. So, so you you fire her once, you bring her back, because I guess she kind of pulls on your heartstrings a little bit. Yeah, and basically I just rehired her, and some similar thing happens, and the second time similar thing happens, but the third time it was like. Okay, this is a, this is your last shot. Like, I can't I can't be like giving you an, another shot after this. And ended up happening the same same way, but we were a lot bigger scale at the so time. So you get hurt even more. Even more, yeah. Um, a lot more money was involved. Um, all that all that stuff. But I had replaced her with another manager. But I also come to realize that when you, I've also learned a lot about hiring managers as well. Not everyone's a manager. You need to, you, you can't turn uh, an employee into a manager most of the time. That's what, that's what my thoughts were before, was turning employees into managers. But that, that didn't happen exactly the way I wanted it to. Was there something you did after, like, after you found out she was stealing money? How, how was your level of trust with other people after that? Well, it was definitely very cautious. I'm more cautious. Um, but you have to trust people. You have to learn how to trust people. Otherwise, you know, it's just, you're not going to be able to get anything done. Were there red flags looking back where you, you kind of could have seen that she was doing this? Yeah. Um, I knew, but it was very well hidden. You knew on some level. Well, I, I, I knew something was up, but it was like, I didn't know, I didn't know how to find it. Huh. Like a, <laughs> your gut told I was you like, something's up. Something is up here, but I didn't know what it was. Everything seemed fine because we were making lots of money and we were fine and everything was good, right? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's like the little things that you have to pay attention to. And that's why you have to get your accounting right. And, and also when you do your accounting, get a third party to do it. Don't, don't have in-house accounting with your, the same management team that they know each other and all that stuff. You know, get a third party. How do you deal with failure and setbacks? There's always going to be failures. And failures are the biggest... Um, the best teachers. The successes are you can't you can't really win you can't really learn a lot from success. You could just learn okay I, I did this it, it feels great, but when you fail that's when you learn not to do that again. And if you do it again that's on you, right? But if you um, but if you keep doing it the same way it's kind of like the same story with like you know rehiring rehiring this. her <laughs> giving her a third chance. Yeah, I, I failed two, three times. And at, after the third time, I had systems in place now for what she did. It's quite hard to embezzle money now because of this whole system. Um, and it's having third party because the entire team was basically, that was like, everyone knew each other. Everyone knew what was going on except for me. <laughs> so the entire so, team was corrupt in a way. Well, in a way. Because, right, because they were in on it. Well, they, they just didn't want to speak out. They didn't <sighs> want to voice out their concerns because they might feel like they might get fired when actually it's the opposite right like if they had voiced it to you right you would have probably promoted them right but in this case this manager was really good like she knew how to she knew how to play people play play people yeah has anyone close to you ever stolen money from you or like someone that you you trusted a friend um a few times yeah i'm only asking because yeah. like it, it it just happened i know these stories happen a lot with 
when people get money, yeah, somehow the universe brings us, I guess, their gifts <laughs> in a way. Uh, these painful experiences where people you trust, people you're close to, end up wounding you. Yeah, it, it's happened. Um, but essentially, like when when you come to money, I I don't really want to let anyone know anything. Like I kind of like try, try to stay to myself, keep to Stealthy. myself. Stealthy, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want. It doesn't matter. Like I don't wear Rolexes or buy fancy cars, whatever. Like it doesn't matter for me. Like so, most people close to you are maybe are not even aware of. Most of them aren't even aware, and the people that are that I'm close with are mainly business acquaintances. I have like one real friend that I I don't even talk business about, and we just like we hang out. I don't. I don't keep a lot of like. And and the thing is like I've separated like a lot of my friends group because. If they're not, uh, like, it's good to have friends. But in my opinion, like, I like friends that have, that can provide value and that I can grow and learn from um, versus friends that I just go to Applebee's with and just, like, kick it. Like, I, I don't want to, because right now, I, time is a very val- valuable asset. Either I'm with my kids or with friends. And I'd rather be with my kids. So I'm spending more time with my family than I am with friends. And so that's why I don't really have a big group of friends that I hang around with and things like that. This is really important to talk about because a lot of people who they want to get wealthy, but they're hanging around people that are not helping them grow. And they they don't realize you have to be around. Like the people close to you end up affecting you. Absolutely. And you have to be careful too because uh, people will get jealous. You know, even your closest friends, they'll, they'll think that, oh, you know, you know, Teo's better than us and whatever, whatever it may be. Have you had to deal with that? Not, not really, because I don't, I don't really associate myself with a lot of too many, too many friends that I just hang out with. Right. Um, it's, it's mainly like business acquaintances that I really hang out with and then my family. And I have had times where that's happened before. And you just have to be very careful with who you surround yourself with. I've, I've actually upgraded like, you know, the, the same people that I hung out in high school are not the same people that I hang out now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot different. For sure, yeah. I mean, the, the people that I hang out around now are like people like you, right? And like other business owners and people that um, either travel the world and also have the same similar goals and ideas that I that I want to have for my family. And um, it's surrounding yourself with those type of people. So Jim Rohn said it best. You surround yourself with the top five people that you want to be. And essentially, you're going to end up becoming like them. So if the top five people are 100 millionaires what is going to happen to you you're either going to be a millionaire or eventually like you know be as as successful as they are if the top five people around you are people that are constantly pulling you down preventing you from going up hey grab a drink with us it's okay you know um we're just going to hang out and and get drunk every night and whatever it may be like what do you is going to happen to your life you that's that's your life versus if you were to hang around with the you know the people that are super super successful yeah it's not just books right it's like people actually are the biggest influence influence in our lives absolutely because we pick up not just knowledge but their energy signature their vibe the way they think about money you know like for you your relationship with money has it changed from when you were working in the deli in new york you know trying to make ends meet to now being a multimillionaire? how do you see money I would say uh, money is just a bridge. It doesn't make you a better person in a way. 
if you were an asshole before, you're going to be an asshole now. <laughs> but if you're, if you're, uh, you're just, and if you're, if you're an asshole with money, right, you're always, it's going to be that same person. But if you're a good person before and you're, you have money now, you're a good person with money. So in my opinion, like, I, I feel like money doesn't really change you. It just helps you give you a bridge to what you can do with it. You can provide for your family. You could um, buy what you want. You could go travel where you want. Um, you could do that for yourself. It's kind of like a, it gives you the ability to do things. It gives you options, but it doesn't turn you into a new person, I would say. Do you see it differently than when you were, say, in survival mode? As in like one analogy I like is like the video game analogy where you stop thinking of money as this um, thing you need, but more like gold points in a game. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I see it like a game. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really fun because um, like I've had times where I've made millions in the stock market and I've had times where I lost millions in the stock market and in crypto. And it's like a game for me because I know I can make it back. Right. So um, it's, it's knowing how to do it. Most people, they just, they'll do it once and then they'll basically like, okay, this is my success or this is my failure and I'll stop. They don't want to continue. But what you've learned is you've learned a core concept that you can take with you and you can do that over and over and over again. It's really hard to do. Um, but for me, what I've done is I know that I can do this over again. I've built up companies to millions of dollars and then to where we had to close it down, close down shop. And then I've built up companies to do it again, all over again. So in, in that sense, like, I think as long as you're improving your skills, you can take those skills wherever. It's kind of like uh, someone said, you know, uh, if I were to lose my email list, and that email list is bringing me all the money that, that, I, that I'm making every month. If I were to lose that email list, can I do it all over again? Yeah, absolutely. You can build another email list. Or if I were, in this case, if I were to lose my entire business, but I have my email list, can I build another business from my email list again? Absolutely. What if you lost your business, your contacts, your entire network, and you're just like a nobody, for example? Um, I, what, what would you do? I had a friend in Brazil and uh, he went bankrupt seven times. Uh, can you believe that? Seven times. <laughs> okay, I want to hear this yeah, story. <laughs> so he was like, he's, he told me, Teo, you know, I went bankrupt seven times and I made my money back seven times. Um, and one, one business was the like acai berry. Uh, you know, back in the days, there was like these acai berry pills that you would take to lose weight and stuff like that. Well, what happened was um, he had a, a hacker like hack and charge like thousands upon thousands of transactions. And 30 days later, those transactions ended up being failed and refunded. And then you're paying chargeback fees as well. So imagine that that literally bankrupt. So it's kind of stuff like that, right? Um, but he said, every single time I've done that, I can I can do it all over again. I can make that money back again. And I totally believe that. Because when you get to a certain level where you found your first success, um, it, it's it's gonna come to a point where, you know, how many times, how many times these serial entrepreneurs, you find themselves like the first business is their last business probably not a lot, right? They, they usually have like, oh, I opened up a lemonade stand or I was selling cars or whatever it may be. And they usually start with their kids, like they're exactly. 13, making websites, right. selling lemonade. Yeah. And it's, it's usually their first business is always never their last business. 
And so that's what I've seen is that their last business was a culmination of all the things that they learned from their previous businesses. And so you can always learn from that, those previous businesses and those experiences so that you can take it to your next experience. And that's, that's what I like to call it. Is it's an experience. Was it Winston Churchill that said going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm? Exactly. Uh, failing and, have, and putting a smile on your face. And knowing that you can do it all over again. That's, that's the entrepreneur's mindset right there. Is knowing that you're gonna, you can fail. This can fail. Everything can absolutely fail go to zero. But knowing that you can do it all over again. And, and what I've seen the, the most fun, funnest times for me was when I have to rebuild an entire new business. That's the most fun. That's the most fun time is, and the most challenging. I would say the, the most complacent time is when a business is boring. And it's making X amount every single month, every single year. And it's super boring for you. And that's when you get complacent and you're like, okay, what do I do next? Right. But the best time is when I'm in the ground and doing everything in the trenches, feet in the clay, feet in the clay, like doing everything and like optimizing the business from there. That's, that's the most fun time for me. Huh. And I feel like one of the other keys is like when you fail to not lose your confidence, because if that happens, you're done. Yes, you failed. It's a massive setback or a loss of money or a loss of business. But kind of pick yourself back up and go, okay, I'm going to go again. Is there something that you do in mindset form to keep that enthusiasm up, even amongst failures? Well, first first is uh, survival, right? I mean, if a business completely fails, you have no source of income. You got to start another one or you got to do something else. So that's the first thing that comes in mind is survival. And set, like, like kind of the same steps, validation, validate that this new business is working. But now take all the stuff that you learned from the old previous failures into this new business and see how you can improve from that. And then the next step is you systemize it. You get, you hire people to help you and you teach those people everything that you know, and they can make it better for you. And these are people that are way smarter than you. So if you're hiring someone that's like, that has, I would say, um, they're not as smart as you in, in that case. You, it can't happen, but I try to hire people that are way smarter than me, that know how to fix this even better, that have better su suggestions and feedback. Because you can only think in one direction. Someone else might think in a different direction, and it might help improve that system, like hiring, for example. It reminds me of a Steve Jobs quote. We hire people so they tell us what to do. Exactly. So we can tell them what to do. Exactly. To give that... now. In that in that perspective, I think it's it's a, a feedback that you get because sometimes you hire people and you don't get feedback. Those are the ones that you don't want to you want you don't want to keep. You want to keep the ones that constantly give you feedback, honest feedback, honest feedback, not just biased feedback. Like, oh, I, I think it's a great idea because you thought of it's a great idea, but like stuff that you know things that that um, what they what they believe and also from their experience as well. If they have experience in this and you want to higher, higher, uh, experience level people. Talk to me about mentorship and the importance of mentorship. Absolutely. So, uh, my first time going around doing this, I, I had lost my car, got it repossessed. And the first book was thinking grow rich. And that was my first mentor, Napoleon Hill, even though he's dead. The second mentor was, and, and this is when, uh, this is when I was stagnant for quite a long time. So I believe to get the timeline straight, maybe three or four years, I was making the same amount of money every single year in the, in the online space. This was way back as well, back in like 2009, 10. And I was making like 
it wasn't a lot. It was like maybe 70, 50 to 70K a year in the online business. And it wasn't until I first met my first mentor. And I was doing this for years. I'm like, how do I break through? And then I met my first mentor. His name is Mike. And Mike showed me how to break through. That same year, I'd done over 300K in with, after, with Mike. So from 70K, 50K a year for the past four or five years, you know, three or four years, somewhere around there. Met Mike that same year, did over 300K. The next mentor was a, the year after was Ricky. And so I had met Ricky. And then from that point on, I was able to break over a million in the same year. So from 70K to 300 to over a million the next year. And then the next mentor was this new setup that uh, this new e-commerce coaching platform that we had, which did over eight figures. And I, I was able to take those systems and now put it into Stealth Agents, which is the, the focus work that I'm doing right now. Do you have a mentor now? I would say the, the mentors now are like, I don't have one specific person. Um, but what I do is I go to a Vistage group and it's, it's this company out in the States. I'm not sure if they have it out in different parts of the world, but Vistage is a kind of like an entrepreneur's group where these are people that have higher level businesses. And uh, Vistage is also a community of like multi-million dollar businesses that you can just tap into the network, connect with and, and ask questions. And so we have a meeting once a month, face-to-face uh, -face meeting. And that's kind of like my mentorship right now is the Vistage group. Because there's like, you do level up your mentors as well right? Because there's a time where your mentors already taught you everything and then you got to go to the next mentor. So I'm always looking for like where I want to be and who's teaching it. Who do you admire? Who, which entrepreneurs are sort of like your idols or, or people that you look up to? So I may get some uh, heat about this, but I, I, I like Grant Cardone. Uh, I, I, I've met him once. He's an awesome guy. He's got so much energy. I, I wish to meet him again. He's, that's what I love about him. There's this book he wrote, Obsession, uh, Be Obsessed, be obsessed or Be Average. Or be average yep. And when you read that book, you literally become obsessed because yeah. you're taking in his energy. Yeah. I mean, you're either like you're either contracting or expanding, right? There's no middle ground. And that's the reason why I love Grant is that um, he's got the right mindset to win. And I'm looking for the people that have the right mindset to win, not just the complacent, you know, stagnant. I, I love hearing what Grant has to say. He's always got to he's always got to win something new. He's always got to do something bigger. You know, he's, it's a progression level. And it's not about the money at that point. I don't think for him, because you could, you could live comfortably with a few million dollars a year, right? But he's, he's going for the billions. And it's, it's not about the money anymore. It's about the progression. And that's what I love about him. Did you learn anything from him when you met him in person? So I, I met him in person at, at the time. I think he was worth around like 300 million um, and, or, or 30 million. I forgot. But basically, um, I, I, I watch his videos and I, I learn how he uh, sets his mind and to win. That's, that's the, the main thing for me is you got to always be obsessed. You gotta, and, and building systems, building sales teams as well. That's a, that's a huge thing for, for what we do as well. Um, we're focused on sales. We're focused on uh, customer satisfaction, deliverables. And those are some of the things that we do. But yeah, I, I just like the way he approaches things, approaches life. It's like a, a winner's mindset. Winner's mindset. Absolutely. How can someone emulate that winner's mindset? Um, I would say the, the fastest shortcut way is to just listen to um, people that you want to be uh, 
you know, the, the levels that they, they are right now. So if, if Grant's kind of like the level that I want to be, I'm going to listen to him. That's the, really the fastest way to, to do that. What is the story of you meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, so that was kind of cool. Um, I was at Arnold Schwarzenegger's house in California. And I went to a mastermind. Initially, I went to a mastermind in Wisconsin. Um, this guy named Jason Horning. And a uh, cool dude. Awesome guy. He does really good in Facebook. Like, that's his focus, right? So I learned, I, I wanted to learn more about Facebook ads. So I went to his event. And I met a guy there. Um, and his name is Goran. And he's a good friend of mine. So Goran runs and hosts um, like celebrities in Australia, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he runs uh, Arnold Australia, something like that. You can look at Arnold's up. Empire. Yeah, I don't know. It's like when Arnold goes to Australia and like talks to people. So he runs that, that whole thing, right? And so he's really good friends with Arnold. And so Goran, he's like, he invited me. He's like, hey, Taylor, you want to go to this, uh, to this uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's house? I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, let's do it. He's like, how much? I was like, how much? He's like, well, you got to just donate to his cause, which is 15 grand. Um, and it was his, uh, it, it's a great cause. It's an after school program. I was an after school kid myself in New York, right? So it's an after school program. So I went over and, um, and I, I donated. And then I, I went, flew over to LA, uh, went to his house. Crazy thing. Like basically he's got his, he's got his, uh, uh, Humvee outside, the Terminator Humvee. He's got like huge yard. Like you walk up to this thing. He's got a bison in his backyard, like an actual bison. You know how big those things are? It's like the size of this room. Um, so met a few other celebrities as well, like Jason Statham, um, met uh, Rocky, um, Sylvester Stallone. Nice. Um, and some other celebrities as well. That was pretty cool. It was just, uh, it was an event where, um, you donate to his cause and, uh, it was also an auction as well where they auction off paintings and things and all the money proceeds go to this after school program. So that was pretty cool. I also, uh, played with Patrick Schwarzenegger, his son. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was just playing poker with him and, uh, he didn't believe me that I don't play poker and I, I don't. And I was, I was beating him in poker, which is hilarious. Um, but yeah, I played with him for a little bit and some other like UFC fighters and things like that. So it was pretty cool. Did you notice the winner's mindset when you met Arnold as well? That the energy of that? Absolutely. He surrounds himself with the right people. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, you know, he's a celebrity and he used to be a governor. Um, but he surrounds himself with the right people. And and paying that fifteen thousand to being in that space not was not for the connections or anything like that. It was for my own mind mindset to know that if I surround myself with these, this is what I, where I want to be. I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, somewhere else. Like this is kind of like the surroundings. These are the people that I want to hang out with. Super successful, highly successful people. And so that's kind of like why I did it is for that reason. Not the connections, but the mindset upgrade. By hanging around these people, you just imbue yourself with it. You pick it up subconsciously. It's, it's kind of like the reason why you want to fly first class or business class is like once you've done that, you don't ever want to go to economy again. You, you want to have a certain standard of level of working and making money to this standard. So I, I always want to be at this standard of level of making money. I don't want to go and revert back. So kind of like my friend, um, Chun, he's, he's super successful. Tens of millions in real estate, whatever. He's super successful, right? But uh, his thing was he never wanted to go back working as a, in, in a restaurant. So a lot of entrepreneurs, you find the same way. You, you don't want to 
you don't want to find yourself doing this again. You don't want to find yourself um, doing this or whatever job or whatever it may be, right? So you'll find a lot of entrepreneurs say the same thing. For me, I, I want to always surround myself with the right mindset people. And talking to some people at that Arnold event as well helped me improve my thinking and where I should be thinking. I shouldn't be thinking millions. I should be thinking hundreds of millions. Mm. I should be thinking mm-hmm. billions. So in a way, it's like they're upgrading their standards where a million is not acceptable for them. Exactly. Where it's even embarrassing if you say you're only doing one or two million a year. Right. It's like changing your character to where a hundred million feels normal and you can receive it. Exactly. So that's the kind of level that you want to work at. Because if you're surrounding, once again, if you're surrounding yourself with the millions and, oh yeah, I make two million a year, four million a year. For the 100 millionaires, it sounds embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So you want to kind of level yourself up to the 100 millionaires or, or even the billionaires in that case. And that's, that's the stage of progression. And once again, there, there are those levels because the millionaires are the ones that are, it's kind of like a, a glorified job where you're, you're constantly, you have to be there. Once again, that, that same, you have to be there. But the, when you start leveling up to the next level, it's when you don't have to be there and your business is growing by itself and you're just optimizing it. And that's what I've seen the kind of the traits of like these tens and hundreds of millionaires are doing is that they have business that they don't have to be there. Do you believe in any sort of manifestation or woo-woo concepts? Um, well, because think and grow rich in a way is like you're visualizing something and it manifests through you, through your action, through your ideas. So do you... Uh, have you read any other books around manifestation or, or vision boards, bringing things into uh, being through affirmation maybe? I mean, Think You Grow Rich is probably the biggest affirmation is if I want something, I, I'm going to become obsessed in getting it. And it's like a dollar amount. Um, and it, in my opinion, I think that's better than like what we were talking about before where it's like I want X amount in my business. It's easier if you have a physical object for me than if you were to like I want X amount in my business, right? Um, but that's kind of like one of my biggest affirmations is when I'm thinking about a, an object or something that I really want that I want to get. Um, and another thing is uh, I'm, I'm constantly like watching YouTubes. I'm watching interviews. I'm watching different things, learning from other people and seeing how they operate and things like that. And, and then manifesting those things in my life. And sometimes I do this. I look in the mirror and I'm like, you're a winner. You know, I don't, I don't look in the mirror. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a bad day. I know it's just going to be a bad day. When I know it's going to be one of those days, I look at the, at, I look at the mirror, I look at my face. I'm like, you're a winner. You're going to do this. And it helps. Affirming to oneself. Affirming that I'm going to win today and no matter what. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Do you have any spiritual beliefs or sort of like trust in the divine that guides your life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do believe in God. Um, I do believe there's a higher being that um, basically, you know, operates everything. Um, I do believe that uh, there are ways to getting into spirituality, um, alternative ways even. And uh, I mean, like one of the craziest things that I've ever done was uh, I went to a mastermind in Cancun and everyone was trying these chocolates. And I'm like, what the heck are these chocolates? I'm like, 
what are you guys doing? <laughs> Everyone's just having a great time. I'm like, all right, let me try these. And then ended up, it was like shrooms, right? And then everyone's like, yeah, I'm like hallucinating. I'm seeing like cool things and all that. And like for hours, I'm like, I'm not seeing anything. I'm like, I'm just like totally like fine. Like I'm not seeing anything. I'm trying to like focus on stuff. I'm not seeing any of that. And for like three or four hours. And then all of a sudden it just hits like, like a battering ram. It just like automatically like, boom, I get, I, I hit and I'm like, whoa. But it was more of like, it was not like hallucinating, but it was more of like my, my brain thinking at like warp speed. Wow. It was like, my brain was like, um, it was like taking a lot of the ideas that I had and best way to explain it is I can hear my thoughts. I can, I can hear and I can see my thoughts if I close my eyes. I can, I'm like doing all this crazy math in my brain as well. Like it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty insane. Like I feel like the earth was breathing. I feel like um, I was able to um, focus on my breathing and meditate deeper. Um, and it was, just a, it was just an awesome experience. It was a great experience for me. Did it feel like in that movie Limitless where he takes the pill and it's like his mind is just turbocharged? Yep, yep. So it felt exactly like that. And, um, and I, I think, I think your brain could be unlocked either through traumatic experiences or, um, like you, your, your back is against the wall and then your brain unlocks this like new level of thinking and you're, you're like becoming successful because of that. And in this case, when I, when I did take those, my brain was unlocked to, um, more of, instead of the business mind, it was more of like a purpose mind. Uh, what I wanted to do. And that purpose was I wanted to help people. I wanted to help a lot of people. I wanted to help them grow. And that was kind of like my purpose, what I, what I had received from that first experience. It's like unlocking God mode. Yeah, yeah. That was your first ever shroom experience. Yep. First psychedelic experience. First psychedelic experience. And have you done shrooms since? I've done it a few times. And every time is it like an upgrade or sort of a tune-up of the system so it's it's kind of like a new teaching experience every single time and the the great thing about that is that i'm learning something new every time but not only that but it also helps with like anxiety and depression and so i've never been happier until after those experiences it's kind of a crazy thing to say but i've never been happier until after I've experienced those things. Like all of a sudden, like I don't have depression anymore. Did you used to? When business was down or something was like, it's not going the way I want, I'll get into these stages of depression mm. and it brings me down. I'm like, I feel like I'm feeling really down, but I, I don't get that anymore, which is kind of weird to say, right? I don't ever get that anymore. It's not a thing. If business is down, I'm like, all right, cool, let's fix it. Yeah. yeah. Instead of business is down, oh man. I'm so sad. I feel like I, I need to just step away and just like take a breather. It's, it's, not, it's not that way anymore. So it's kind of like a different experience for me. It feels like shrooms emotionally regulate us so that things don't bring us down so deep so fast. And we're able to bounce back, especially in a trip. It feels like a recalibration. And the week after, I'll feel amazing. A friend of mine, Eric Toss, he owns a company called Shine On. They do hundreds of millions. Um, he, he said... He said um, that it kind of like it kind of like refreshes your brain mm -hmm. there's all this gunk right it's kind of like a laundry machine you put 
your dirty clothes in. You add and, the psilocybin. Yeah, you add the psilocybin and it cleans up your, your dirty clothes. That's kind of like how it is, right? And I feel like that's the same way. And this was their time during the time I was on, like I was in, in the middle of it. And he was telling me this and I was like, well, that makes sense. And he's like, I think it makes you smarter. And I think it does. Because obviously when, when, you, when you look at the diagram of a brain, a regular brain um, is, is connected in, a different, in di- many different ways. But if when, on psilocybin, your brain is connected like there's more connections. There's connections that you've never thought about. There's things that everyone's like shaking hands with each other in your brain. That's kind of like how I feel. There's new connections in there that I've never thought about. And it's, it's, it's invigorating. It feels great. It feels like, you know, it's, it's like an entrepreneur that ha- like for me, my brain is like my tool. It's like my weapon of choice, right? And it's kind of like it just hyperdrove my brain into like a new advanced technology. Has it made you more spiritual? I would say more connected. More connected. More connected to the world. Um, because what I did notice my first trip was that I felt like everyone was connected. We're all like in a way like we could even be like telekinetically connected somehow. Like our brains and like we can think the same. Like the world moves in the same direction. There was this uh, study done uh, where they took a group of people and they said, okay, see how many faces you can see in this picture. And the first group said, oh, I see like 10 or something like that. And then you can Google it. It's, it's this crazy study. And then they took that um, picture. They brought it to like different parts of the world. And first they showed it on TV in the UK. And they were like, okay, these are all the faces, right? And then just, just to show it. And then they, the, other, the other side of the world, they had another group of people during the time that the airing was shown. And they asked these guys, okay, how many faces can you see? they were able to see more faces because all the faces were now revealed in the other side of the world, in the UK. So I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there's some sort of like connection to all of us um, in the world. And I feel like, you know, even nature and earth, there's like a connection to that as well um, that Shrooms has opened my eyes to. It feels like maybe in that experiment, it's like, they upload their data to the consciousness, the global consciousness. Right. And so the people in Australia can receive that right. knowledge intuitively. Right. Some Somehow, something like that. It's definitely, yeah, shrooms have definitely made me think that we are all connected and something about our consciousness, there's not really any division. And a lot of spiritual texts talk about this too, where even there's no division between the table and you, the chair you're sitting on that at some macro level, it's actually all one consciousness and we're just projecting out and living in this 3D hologram for our own entertainment. Right. I've been looking into that stuff too. Like, you know, uh, are we living in a hologram? Are, are, are we living in a virtual reality? What do you think? What, what do you think is the true nature of reality? Well, I really don't know. And I want to know. I, I want to find out. Ever since I was, I was little, you know, I've always been a explorer I've always wanted to know how the world works. I've always wanted to know uh, aliens and all this stuff. I'm always so curious about it. I've always wanted to know like, you know, all these crazy paranormal stories and ghosts and things like that. There's so much to this world that we just don't know. But I would love to explore it. I'm an explorer. What Shrooms has opened up for me is um, the, the consciousness of like being interconnected 
everything is a living, breathing thing. Even the earth is like a breathing, um, you know, living, breathing thing that we need to take care of. I feel like you would really enjoy or not enjoy, but connect with ayahuasca because that will open you up even in more ways than, than shrooms, I feel. Yeah. So that's, that's probably the next thing on my list. You know, the movie Avatar? Yeah. There was a deleted scene in it where the main character actually takes what looks like an ayahuasca journey. Wow. Um, just they sort of change a few details for the movie. Oh, wow. But he's able to see through people. He's able to see through their energy. He goes on this like insane journey. And that scene was cut out, unfortunately. Wow. So what, what about your experiences? I know you've had a lot of experiences with, um, you know, different things. And for me, I, I started with, I actually started with acid. That was my first ever psychedelic. And that opened my eyes to that there's more to the world. Because I could see frequency. We were camping with a friend. We took acid. It kicked in maybe 20 minutes. And everything became different. It's like you're still in the world, but it's a different world you're experiencing. And from then I tried, I tried DMT. I tried mushrooms. Um, I've tried ayahuasca. And it feels like all of these plant medicines, they lead you to the same place, but some of them go deeper, some of them go faster. And like ayahuasca, especially, it took me so deep, so fast. And you're there for six hours. So you get to play in that hybrid reality much longer than, say, a DMT trip where you smoke it, you're in and out in 10 minutes. Um, with ayahuasca, the most important thing is like to have a good shaman. To not, you can't really do it alone. I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, interesting. I'm really excited for your your explorations because I feel like with your mind, it's already turbocharged through shrooms. I'm excited to see how the other plant medicines turbocharge it. You know, um, I have a nickname that some people call me. They call me Super Mario. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. <laughs> leveling up. Yeah, leveling up. Um, yeah, I have a few friends that call me that. So it's kind of interesting and funny that that happened that way. Teo, thank you so much for sitting down with me and having this chat. Is there something you'd like to leave the listener with on how they can lead a more fulfilled life? The first thing is just take the first step. That's the hardest part for a lot of people is taking the first step. The first step, whether it's starting up your LLC or whatever, like just do it. Just take the first step, get there, and learn on your way, uh, you know, towards success. Entrepreneurship is kind of like jumping out of an airplane and building your parachute on the way down. That's pretty much what entrepreneurs like. There's no perfect parachute that you're just going to jump off and all of a sudden you're, you're making millions of dollars. It's not, it's not going to work that way. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing that prevented a lot of my previous students was taking the first step running their first ad, you know, uh, finding their first product, whatever it may be, because, oh, this product is this, this product is that, this product might be better, this product might be worse, whatever. Take the first step, try it, try it out, try the first thing, and then evaluate from there. So first is realize that you can do it. Second, validate that it works, whatever you did worked. And if not, then keep finding something that will work. And then the third step is, is systemize it with managers and with people that can help you and hire the right people. Do you know why there's that fear of taking the first step and that maybe perfectionism getting in the way? It's, it's, it's fear of like 
going into the unknown. Mm. It's kind of like one of know, the deepest human fears, probably. Exactly. Exactly. Like uh, when we first, you know, uh, this, do something, explore a new world, explore new territory. It's it's that fear. But when you get rid of that fear, you just you just do it. Just go and do it. Just jump. Just jump in. But if you get rid of that fear, you can do anything because it's kind of like uh, that movie Yes Man. Oh, I love that. Movie. Yeah, where he says yes to everything. Um, try that. Say yes to everything. But in this case, in business, right? Um, could I could I run this product? Can I uh, uh, sell this service? Yes. Just do it. Just go and find it and and do it and sell it and then figure out all the all the weeds and thorns later on. Figure all that stuff out later. But the first step is just taking that first step. And it's the hardest step. Are there movies you recommend for inspiration like Yes Men? I, I really like the one with uh, Will Smith. Um, the one with this, as he's a stockbroker. Do you remember that one? It sounds familiar. Um, yeah. I, I, really, I really like that movie. It's super inspirational. He, he's also another just take the first step. Just get into that interview. Just go and talk to that person. And get that interview with that Wall Street broker and, and get yourself that job. You know, take that first step. That's the hardest part. And most people are afraid. And fear is going to prevent you from, from living your dreams, living where you want to be. And I know you mentioned two books that people should check out. Think and Grow Rich. The, the one, one thing. thing. Any other ones that you, you would recommend? Uh, another one is, is um, uh, Scaling Up. Mm -hmm. Scaling Up is a great book, especially if you're in the operations stage. But I wouldn't recommend that book just yet until you've gotten the validation. First, make your money. And then create the system. So scaling up is great if you're at that stage. Exponential Systems is also another great book if you're at that stage. Um, another one is um, by uh, Goldrat. Oh, what is this book called? Um, it's it's where he has a failing factory and he has to rebuild that factory in like six months. Um, that's a that's a great book. It's an audio book. I'll have to. We'll find out. the title. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it'll be. Posted somewhere. Have you yeah. read the 10x rule by Grant Cardone? Yeah. Yeah, that one's good too. That one's so inspiring. Yeah. Cause like it shows you that you will need to take 10 times the amount of action yep. and also dream 10 times bigger. Yep. Just 10x everything in simplicity. If you have uh something that's working now, just 10x that. If you can, it's the same thing as scaling e-commerce, right? If you can do a hundred dollars a day, you can do a thousand dollars a day. If you did that hundred dollars a day for a whole week, you can do that, you can do two hundred dollars a day, you can do a thousand dollars a day. Um, up until you hit market share. So it's the same thing. You just find out what you're doing right now, multiply the effort by 10 times. And that's what we do as well in our, our business as well. The hardest part is going to be logistics. Once again, it's like finding the right people. It's finding the right systems for that and, and managing. Is that what the biggest companies on earth, is that what they're truly the best at is the logistics part, getting to that scale? I, I find out that those type of companies hire the right people that have the experience doing it. Uh, another, another thing that I've seen is that companies get to a stage where they're, they're doing like 10x, 50x. But when you get to a bigger stage, you're not doing that. You're doing like 2 to 3% a year. Mm. Um, most of the bigger companies are doing you know, 2 to 3% a year increase annual growth. But when you're in a smaller position where you could do 10x, 20x in a year, that's when you're looking, that's when everything is moving so fast. That's when everything is uh, hyperdrive, everything. And you got to have good talent in there. You can't just have someone that, um, you know, doesn't have the experience to, to running that type of operation. 
um, jump in and then expect to run it at that level. You got to have different types of people in there. So what I've learned in Vistage is that the people that got you from point A to B are not going to be the same people that got you from B to C mm. or C to D. So it might be different people. You have to keep upgrading. Keep upgrading. Or they have to upgrade their skills. Right. Grow with you. Grow with this. Grow with you. Exactly. Teo, where can people find you? So um, they could just find me on, uh, I have a YouTube channel as well. It's Teo Vanyo. Um, and also uh, just on stealthagents.com. That's our main website. So if they need a team, if they need a virtual assistant, they yep. can come to you. They can just go to us and hit us up on our contact page or our chat. We're always there. So yeah. Awesome. Teo, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You got it, James. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the James Zander Trip. I hope this conversation with Teo has energized you, has inspired you, has left you with one key takeaway that you can apply in your life today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with at least one friend who you think might benefit from this conversation. It would mean the world to me. And if you want to connect with me, visit jameszander.com, sign up to my newsletter. I'd love to hear from you. Much love, and I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, so if you're still listening and you've made it this far, I want to thank you personally. You are one of the OGs, the true fans of the podcast. Not many people listen to the end, so if you've actually made it this far, I don't take that for granted. I appreciate you so much, and I invite you to reach out to me personally. I'd love to hear what episodes you most enjoyed, what type of topics, and what type of guests you'd love to see in the future. Feel free to message me on Instagram, or you can email me if you sign up to my newsletter and just hit reply to the welcome email. I'll be sure to read it. Now, if you have a moment to rate the podcast on Apple or Spotify, that would help me out so much. I super appreciate that. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast on YouTube, please do me a favor and go to youtube.com slash at James Zander Trip. I'm trying to get to 1000 subscribers, so every subscriber counts. One last thing, I have another podcast where I do solo episodes, mostly about psychedelics, but I also share life lessons and all sorts of insights. So if you search for The Microdose, you can find my second podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, I just launched a mindset course called Unlock God Mode. So in the next audio, you'll hear more details about my course. If you're not interested, feel free to skip to the next episode. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It means the world to me. Feel free to share this episode with a friend that you think might enjoy it. And I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, you might enjoy my brand new audio course, Unlock God Mode. Unlock God Mode is a four-week experience where every day you'll get a 15-minute audio lesson that gives you frameworks, tools, and perspectives to upgrade your relationship with life. In the same way that mushrooms give you insights that help you up-level in the video game of life, I designed this course to do the same thing for you. I've compiled every lesson that I learned through psychedelics, through meditation, through my spiritual work, through life. I've put my best tools in this course so that no matter who you are, if you choose to go on this adventure with me, you're going to learn some amazing frameworks. You're going to learn to see life with new eyes. You will improve your relationship with life. And by extension, your life will improve. If you're interested in more details, go to jameszander.com slash godmode or use the link in the show notes. Use the promo code SHROOMS for a special discount. 
Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I deeply appreciate you. Feel free to reach out to me through my newsletter. Go to jameszander.com to sign up. I'd love to connect. This episode is sponsored by magicmush.ca. If you're looking for an online dispensary for magic mushrooms, mushroom chocolate, and other high-quality psychedelic products, head over to magicmush.ca and use the promo code JAMES to get 25% off. Thank you for listening and have a beautiful trip.